I'm here with Uriel Carlson, who is the founder of Inner Wild Nutrition, Breckenridge Local. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) yeah. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. That's (laughs) legit. Hardcore, amazing mountain bike athlete and coach and entrepreneur with their company Inner Wild and some cool online course offerings. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to be talking about how to fuel your potential. So what led you to dietitian, become a registered dietitian to help adventure athletes? And Well, if we go way back, I grew up on an organic farm in Vermont. So food has kind of always been a part of my life, but it wasn't until I actually lived in Italy between a year off in college that I found out that food and nutrition was something I could study and make a part of my career. Nice. So I came back to Colorado where I was living at the time and started looking for schools for nutrition because at that same time I was also becoming an athlete, getting more serious with mountain bike racing and have just, I found that all my conversations with my friends were mainly about performance and nutrition. And we were just kind of shooting the shit and asking each other questions about, you know, like, what should I eat before this race? What should I eat during this race? What should I eat after this race? And we had no idea but it was something that we were super interested in. So I'm like, if I can take this and figure it out for myself and my friends, but also make it into a career, then I've kind of achieved like my ultimate goal of making my career into something that's also something that I'm personally interested in Nice to make it feel less like the standard typical work. Yeah. So kind of looks, sounds like just following your passion and Mm -hmm just having those conversations naturally. Yeah. And I'd imagine over the years coming from an athlete to a registered dietitian, your perspective on carbo loading before a race mm-hmm. versus perhaps what you're teaching people right now has shifted a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's been a lot of trial and error along with the education component of it, you know, like figuring out for myself and for my athletes and my clients, and then just the education side of it. Like I was figuring this all out for myself when I was in school So I was kind of my own test subject, which was really neat. And yeah, it's been like refining the process and figuring out what's the most important over the years. So what is the most important? What's the golden answer? (laughs) Yeah. What is Um, it? How do we get faster, lose weight and have more energy? All the, (laughs) everyone's burning questions. Yeah. Everyone's burning questions have been, I've found that there's no one question that applies to everyone. Yeah. And that's been something that I've been able to kind of like hone in on since I started my business in 2015 is that like every single person comes to me and they have this one question, like what's the best, this or this a or mm-hmm. B. And I'm like, well, it depends. Right. Like a might be the best for you, but B might be the best for the other person. So it's all just so individual. And when we look at nutrition recommendations, that's the problem with them because nutrition recommendations and specifically even sports nutrition recommendations, they're based on the general population, healthy population as a whole. That's millions of people, but we are, I mean, it sounds corny, but you're literally one in a million when it comes to your nutrition goals and your recommendations and what I'm going to tell you versus the other person. Exactly. So it's just, it's a very individual game. It is. And I'm under, I'm under the impression that you've created your own kind of plan and way that you work with people to, help them figure that out. Right. Cause there's so many fad diets and so many yeah. kind of top 10 lists to mm-hmm. achieve whatever that goal is. Yeah. So I have a program, it's a six week program. It's called fuel your potential. And it takes everyone through this five-step process, which 
really has the same foundations and the same steps, but within those steps, they're all very individual. So the first thing I do with everybody, no matter who they are, is I have them log their food intake for five to seven days because that defines everyone's individual baseline. And that's where we start without figuring out a baseline. It's kind of like we would be starting from the same place for everyone, but in reality, everyone has a different starting point. You know, like everyone has different things that they should be focusing on first, second, and third. Yeah. So we define that baseline and then we go from there throughout the six weeks. And are you using paper apps? What, what's your favorite way to have people log or? With logging, it's usually my fitness pal. Yeah. Even though it's a pain. I mean, it takes, it's pretty detail oriented, but it gives me a, a good look at macronutrients and total calories and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily have my client look at that, but I mean, it's, we eat food every single day, multiple times a day, right? If we can log our food intake for five out of the 365 days of the year, it's pretty minimal when you look at it on the big picture. Yeah. It takes time, but like, like I said, food is, we literally do it every single day. Yeah. And that's, that's that foundational block of just mm-hmm. building awareness, understanding yep. your habits and what your ends actually are. Like, mm-hmm. How are you getting pretty in detailed into macros or, or into like nutrient nutrient profiles or just kind of looking at the pattern of when and how people are eating? A lot of it comes down to patterns of how, when, how they're eating. Cause a lot of times that will, that'll be able to pinpoint whether they're having problems with energy or whether they're having problems with not being able to fuel and recover from their workouts, whatever stresses they're putting on their body, it'll come down to patterns. A lot of times I find that people aren't eating enough food throughout the day. Mm. I would say 90% of the time I'm telling people to eat more food. Oh wow! I'll get into macros for sure. Like fats and proteins versus carbohydrates. And unless we have something, some underlying clinical condition going on, I won't get into a lot of the smaller numbers unless they come to me saying, you know, like, Hey, I'm iron deficient or I need more calcium or things like that. And but those need to be confirmed by lab tests. Sure. And a lot of times, you know, I'll have people that I will suggest to go get lab tests because they have some sort of underlying condition that in chatting with them, I figure out might be an issue whether it's some sort of adrenal or thyroid or just micronutrient status. But a lot of times our starting point is going to be the habits and the patterns that are on the surface. And where do we go from there? (laughs) So from there, we talk about kind of just really applying their nutrition goals and their priorities into their daily life. So helping them figure out how, number one, they're going to get in the food that they need throughout the day and how they're going to prep it and when they're going to prep it and just really how we can incorporate eating healthy into their life without disrupting too much of their life. Awesome. And we do that on kind of this building goals up slowly and surely because I could, I could sit down with anyone and I could come up with, you know, like five or 10 things that they could probably start tomorrow. But if I give them 10 things and say, okay, go do all these things, it's not going to last because that's super overwhelming. So we need to build up kind of like these, I call them TPAs, top priority actionables. And typically we pick like two to three of those. What are the easiest things that we can do starting today and then build up and build up and build up. So you're building off of these small wins over an extended period of time, and then they become a part of your life. So they're not so disruptive that they don't last. Yeah. And we see the same thing, which is how do we get someone Mm -hmm. to gain momentum and traction And I'm imagining some of your clients are coming to you as high performers and just Mm -hmm. ready and willing and 
tech savvy and some people are maybe not in that place or maybe they're a little more burned out and fatigued or sick and trying to figure out, Hey, how do I get back to where I was or how do I stabilize? So it sounds like you're really aware of that and figuring out just the Mm -hmm. quickest way for them to gain traction. Yeah, exactly. And like you guys, like everyone is going to have a different starting point based on where they come to you from. Sure. So then you just work with them on that and build from there. Yeah. So it's a lot of getting to know each one of your clients so that you figure out what you can give them that they're going to be successful with. Yeah. Cause that customized piece is really always going to have that highest value mm-hmm. for somebody. And that does take time and awareness yeah. on their part, Absolutely. Which, which can be frustrating when you're like, no, no, I just want, you know, whatever, as you said, everyone has a different question, mm-hmm. but they're wanting that result as fast as they can. And mm-hmm. you're saying like, Hey, <laughs> you might need a week right now before we actually shift anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. It's interesting. So from a, from a standpoint, you know, a lot of people that are training, they're taxing their bodies, Mm -hmm. right. But they're also increasing their stress thresholds if they're training properly. Right. Have you, what have you seen the role of like diet or different foods in terms of helping people maintain health or reduce stress, just kind of basically avoid burnout? Yeah. I think recovery is one of the things that's super, super important, but often overlooked, you know, people are putting in the hard work and the hard efforts and the hard training sessions. And it kind of stops there with, okay, you know, I put in the hard training session. That's my success for the day or for the week. But recovery from that is it's equally as important. You know, we can put in hard training sessions, but unless we recover from them properly, then it's just going to build up and bog us down and make it much more difficult to perform as we want to moving forward. So with specifically with, you know, like the higher performer athletes, I'm always figuring out what they can do to recover, you know, like dealing with getting in some sort of protein, carbohydrate, whatever it be based on the workout that they've done within an hour and then figuring out the high quality whole foods that they can eat to optimize that recovery. So that the next time they go out, they're going to be able to go as hard as they need to because they're recovered from the previous workout and the stress that they put on their body from that. So I'm imagining it's like similar, like most people aren't eating enough, but they're also not recovering enough. Mm-hmm. Is that, are you, are you seeing that as a trend? Yeah, or? absolutely. And even with, I mean, with coaching mountain biking and, and being in that world, working with Joe from Summit Endurance Academy with the athletes that we both work with, it's really, really hard to get people to recover enough and to go easy. So with the, I coach for kids and one of the big things that we're trying to instill in them is like, Hey, there's this workout that we do. It's a recovery ride. It's zone one and zone two. It's almost like so mellow that it's boring, but it's called the pro because pros do it right. Most people don't do it right because they don't know how important recovery is. But the goal is, is that you do this right. And you go agonizingly slow in order to be able to go hard the next time you have a hard workout. Gotcha. Yeah. That <laughs> agonizingly <laughs> slow does yeah. sound difficult, except yeah. for people that want that achievement and they want to get, I mean, mm-hmm. everyone, regardless of where you're at, I think wants that result as fast as they can. Yep. So it probably feels like, Hey, I'm, you know, sitting on the couch or riding in, you know, zone one. So probably mm-hmm. for, for me, that's basically riding downhill, Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh-huh. how do we, how do you maintain that's got to be really hard and and having that trust in you that like, okay, this plan actually builds towards this Mm -hmm. or towards this, you know, maybe it's 
nationals or worlds yeah. or whatever that goal may be, or just a local race that you're training right. for. Yep. So it's not all out all the time to get to that end goal. Yeah. Even though that end goal probably includes some all out all the time. Yeah. But so from like a nervous system standpoint, right. When I think all out, which is so many of our default modes is just mm-hmm. sympathetic nervous system arousal. We're just kind of in that go, 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 yeah. got to create, got to build, got to whatever that story is for you. Mm-hmm. And then when I think about the parasympathetic, that, you know, parachute of rest and recovery, rest and digest, Yeah. you know, how are you helping your people? Like, what are those, some of those, uh, action plans that help build those steps and, you know, get people mo- momentum to actually eat well, eat enough and actually recover enough. Mm-hmm. It, the, the stress component is interesting because we're talking with, and especially with active people, we're talking about, you know, like the physical stress that they're putting on their body from being an athlete and the stresses that it takes to perform a workout. And then we're talking about the life stresses, you know, like work and the, this crazy world that we live in now where it's just go, 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 like you say. So we're dealing with these two different components of stress. One of them being, you know, like as an athlete, a stress that's going to happen. It's not necessarily bad if we do it, in a if we execute it well and we don't overstress that system. And then there's the other stresses that are a little bit more, you know, like we should, we should try to control them. We should try to make sure that we're getting enough sleep. We should try to make sure that we're not stressing out about things that we can't control that are beyond our control. Um, we should try to make sure that we're scheduling some time to just kind of like zone out and not be go, go, go all the time. So with my clients in that, a lot of times I find that they can be doing everything right in terms of their food. But if they're not also dealing with that additional stress of just being a human, then it doesn't really matter. They, it, they're going to have a hard time getting results. So we need to target both of those, the food, being an athlete and dealing with that stress with recovery, and then just being a human and dealing with that stress. Have you noticed, and I've heard this, but I'm curious to see your thoughts of that as we train to become a better athlete and as we improve improve our fitness, that we're actually able to increase our threshold to deal with daily life stress? Mm-hmm. Like, is there a relationship there or is it? I, I mean, I haven't looked into that too much on, you know, like a clinical basis, but it, it makes sense that as we train our body to be able to tolerate stress a little bit more, we can tolerate it in other, in other realms of stress. Sure. As because we find coping mechanisms and we find ways to, to treat it and deal with it better. Yeah. When we, you know, I haven't, I don't know the clinical answer here either. Yeah. And I think what we've looked at, it's kind of just building the foundation for a lot of people coming back from say burnout injury or sickness mm-hmm. is just getting those long, slow base miles in of whatever that looks like for you. It could be on a bike, but it could also be getting back into the flow of your career or getting back into the flow of, of daily life. Yeah. But I think it seems to me that as we, you know, increase fitness and heart rate variability improves, mm-hmm. that like people have a better capacity, but can also use that as kind of a coping mechanism to avoid whatever that stress piece might've been in the first place. Absolutely. So, yeah. And maybe, maybe the active component is kind of their outlet. So it allows them to not get, you know, just tapped out yeah when they have to deal with the inevitable stresses inevitable stresses that's <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah so getting into that pattern it sounds like building really strong kind of that one percent better you didn't say that but just 
moving towards one one or two steps at a time, yep. building consistency, getting on top of that. Are there like, you know, for any of us that are really all of us that deal with stress in our lives, because that's just an inevitable part of being human. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of your top, do you have a top food? Like I always see, it seems like that's like such a, you know, like keto can support this or right. this fruit can do that or this supplement or, you know, is it really coming back once again to that whole picture kind of. So if we're thinking about stress in the, you know, like being an athlete component and the just stress of living as a human in this world, there's also stresses that can happen to our body when we eat food. Because Mm. if you think about the inflammatory or invader response that our body has when we ingest food that isn't necessarily food, that's an additional stress on our body because it triggers that immune response. So in order to prevent that stress from happening... Really, it's real food versus the food that contains the artificial colors, the artificial ingredients, the non-food ingredients that are a part of the things that we eat. You know, like it's there's 40 percent of ingredients in the grocery store and quote unquote foods in the grocery store that aren't actually real food. There are these ingredients that have been manufactured in labs and they're put into food to make people want them and crave them and want to keep eating them and want to keep spending their money on them. And to preserve them and allow them to sit on the shelf for six weeks, six months at a time. And all of those things, when we ingest them, our body has a stress response to them. So in order to reduce that component of stress, real food over anything else is always the answer. You know, if we can eat as much real food as we can, being food that we can picture growing, that our grandmother could make in her kitchen, that we, you know, know where it comes from that it comes from the ground or the, a plant or outside and not a factory, that's going to be the stuff that's going to help to manage that stress. Makes sense. I mean, it's like, there's something really <laughs> elegant and simple, right? It's yeah. like, you know, if you can read it, you can eat it kind of, right. kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, one of the things that pops into my head, like as an objection is like, well, that's going to be really expensive compared to this, you know, whatever manufactured, processed, packaged, you know, throw it in the microwave thing. Yeah. But it sounds like from your perspective and from really from like a health and, and uh, performance perspective, it's actually much more expensive to eat that processed food mm-hmm. from a stress standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It has so many different other results rather than just the calories that it provides. Right. You know, it's impacting your stress and your mental status and just your the normal bodily functions yeah. that you want to keep functioning. Well, and so, because the audience probably doesn't know this, that you helped me maybe two years ago through mm-hmm. some, I was struggling with mono and trying yeah. to do the Grand Traverse and, you know, not a great combination, especially <laughs> for me being like five, seven and on the stocky side, trying to become an endurance athlete while my system's already taxed. But, right. you know, getting onto your diet, one of the first questions you ask is like, well, are you looking to like lose weight or like actually perform? Mm-hmm. And I, that really resonated with me. I was like, well, both. Duh, but like at the end of the day, really what I'm looking for is performance. Mm -hmm. And that's a different equation than just dropping a pound a week by reducing intake. Yeah, absolutely. Do you like just in the way that, you know, the macros, I think I just come back to so many people like, this is my, you know, I'm at 2000 calories or 1800 calories. Mm -hmm. And this is my spread of fats, protein and carbs. You know, is there a nutrition piece that you look at or like, is there like a gold standard in that world of making sure we're getting 
you know, um, leafy greens and whatever it may be, like a diversification of the nutrients and that kind of stuff? Yeah, typically we can break it down into rather than just kind of like, you know, the standard 40, 45% carbohydrates, 20, 25% or 30% fats and proteins, which is the range. Yeah. We break it down into something that's a little bit more simple. So instead I'm looking at meals with people and I'm like, hey, first thing you want to focus on is what is your source of protein? Because your protein is going to, what's going to keep, it's keeping you full between your meals and it's going to help with muscle recovery if you're working out a lot, all sorts of things like that. And then we're thinking about vegetables. And I'm always suggesting, you know, like if you can get three different kinds of vegetables, then you're golden. That's a great way, just place to kind of think about, especially when you're at a restaurant. What's my protein? What are my vegetables? Do I have at least two to three different colors or kinds of vegetables? What's my healthy fat? Because healthy fat is something that's often overlooked, but very important. And then what is my complex carbohydrate? whether it's going to be some whole grains or, you know, some sweet potato, corn, peas, whatever it is. But when we break it down that way and we make sure that people are getting that in every meal, then their macros sort of just add up and they set them up throughout the day to reach your goal at the end of the day. Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, totally. I'm curious, like you brought in the healthy fats and I'm curious from like a brain health standpoint, do you have any thoughts on, you know, eating what healthy fats, when, how, or if there's better ways. Cause you know, a lot of people come in here or coming to us when they're coming for neurofeedback mm-hmm. specifically or wanting to know about, you know, nootropics or supplements that support brain health yeah. or, you know, which omegas should I take or which fish oils, mm-hmm. like all these things, like, you know, and I, my take is always, and I think similar to yours is like getting it from your food or yeah. is such a better way than getting it from a pill, which you're not going to absorb a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But is there ways we can maximize the absorption or like really support brain health in terms of the, you know, I asked it about fats, but really that whole. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, fats are incredibly important because our brain is, it's around 60% fat. So it's huge. I mean, it's primarily fat, which means we need to be getting fat from our diet in order to support our brain. Healthy fats are, I mean, fats in general have sort of, I would say, in the past five years, it's switched from fats being bad to fats, it being more common that people are actually recognizing that fats have a role and that they're very important and that fat isn't necessarily going to make people fat, which was the old belief. But in terms of eating fats for brain health, it's incredibly important that you're getting healthy fats, not only with every meal, but also ideally with every snack that you're eating throughout the day. So fats that I'm always suggesting to people for meals and snacks is, you know, like oils, olive oil, avocado oil, peanut oil, sesame oil. Those are all great sources of fat, but even just things like eggs have good sources of fat, grass-fed butters and dairy products, grass-fed meats, olives are a great snack that are just chock full of fat. So that's going to be your source of olive oil, but you can have it as a snack, you know, with some cheese and crackers or whatever it is. Nuts and seeds are another good source of fat and healthy fat, but including those in your diet on a regular basis is it's just a really great ticket for brain health too and supporting that 60% of our brain that is fat. Yeah, you got to feel that too, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. In terms of like, you're talking, as we think about fats, fat, I think about fat diets, when mm-hmm. we start talking about fat with like keto and these other things, yeah. like, you know, we 
there's a lot of people talking about like the neuroregenerative or protective properties of say intermittent fasting or mm-hmm. getting into a state of ketosis. Like, are you having athletes do that? Is that, I mean, what's, do you have thoughts on this whole kind of, I think it's, I saw the other day an ad on Facebook saying mm-hmm. keto, the number one trend in the health, right? Yeah. It's just this, you know, it's just this thing that everyone seems to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I think it works really well for some people, but it doesn't work well for other people. And I think it's certainly something that if people are doing it, they need to do it with some supervision, some professional supervision to make sure that their lab numbers are staying the same or, you know, staying within normal limits. And and we have to be careful of cholesterol and just, you know, total labs as they relate to the amount of fat that you're eating because they can change. And some people can tolerate them totally fine and their numbers won't change but other people will have different reactions to it. So that goes back to kind of the individuality of nutrition in general. What I find mostly with people that go keto is that they go keto and it works really well for them, but it's a pretty significant lifestyle change. So unless they're really on it, it typically kind of phases out to become like a version of keto or a more high fat diet than they originally started with but it's not actually ketosis all the time, which is totally fine. But it's people that are, you know, figuring out that this is the keto diet is something that they can start with. And then they sort of like build it into their lifestyle and it becomes something that's more sustainable over a long period of time, which I'm totally proponent of. Yes. The the long term Yeah, is the term. Am I right? Is the yo-yo diet when we're Mm -hmm. like, so and that can be even detrimental, right? If you're going from, so like my body weight typically flux is like 185. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I live. Like yes. even doing the Grand Traverse and doing all that, like what, five days a week of long cardio, mm-hmm. still the same weight. Yeah. Right. Putting on muscle, but you know, going down to 170 for me might yo-yo me back up to 200 yeah. or, you know, to a, an unhealthy range. Mm-hmm. So how do you, is that, is that, and that's avoidable. It sounds like if you're approaching it for more of the integrated awareness and like sustainable approach. Exactly. That's just the word I was thinking of was sustainable. And that's the goal is that, you know, like if you're, if you're getting down to 170, but you're feeling like your energy is crashing and you can't sleep and you're just grumpy all the time, then that's not going to last. So when I'm working with people, I start like at their baseline, like I'm, like I mentioned, but then we, never really want to lose or gain a big amount of weight in a short period of time because 99% of the time, if we do it very quickly in a short period of time, it's not going to last. What we need to do is sort of incorporate like those small steps in order to get it down or up. And that's when it becomes something that isn't so much of a shock to our system and our body that our body can actually maintain it. So the, with the yo-yo dieting stuff, it's always, you know, like, Hey, I went on this six week diet or I went on this three month diet where I was only eating packaged meals that were sent to me for gosh, like $300 a month and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, okay. If you did that and that worked for you, then that's great. But are you going to do that for the rest of your life? Cause if the answer is no, then why are we even doing it? Right. You know, we need to figure out what's going to be something that's going to last you and not there's this kind of trust system and trust building with our body. Whereas if we, if we restrict it of a significant amount of calories, it's just going to hold on to those calories because it's like, you know, if I'm going 
six, eight hours without eating your body, when you actually do eat, it's going to hold on to all of that because it doesn't know when it's going to get food again. We can look at that small picture on a day-to-day basis, or we can look at that big picture on a month yearly basis where people go through these different yo-yos of the highs and the lows of the extremes. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause I imagine seasonally, or maybe mm-hmm. someone has a trauma in a certain time of year yeah. or, uh, you know, maybe their sport is in, you know, just summer or winter. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, recovering or cross training. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> my gears are turning <laughs> on this one. I mean, one of the thoughts I've had, cause I noticed, you know, I have this tendency to want to, a commit to a big event, mm-hmm. like something that scares me a little bit mm-hmm. or something that like puts some skin in the game and that helps me train better. That helps me yeah. stay on track. And then, you know, that also leads me to want to do things like, you know, say like an elimination diet or like a cleanse or some mm-hmm. sort of temporary, right. Cause there's no way I'm just eating bone broth for yeah. the rest of my life. <laughs> right. But, you know, it does have its value in and of itself, mm-hmm. but it sounds like adding, it might be help. Is there a place for, I guess the first question is like, is there a place for that kind of temporary intense diet or is it, you know, is that going to fall? Is that a little different than the yo-yo? Yeah. I think that's a little different from the yo-yo as long as you're making sure that you're not, I mean, with something like, like you said, with bone broth, you know, like doing the apple cider vinegar cleanse. Whenever people come to me wanting to do a cleanse, I'm like, where are you at right now? And typically they're not eating, you know, like primarily or 95% whole foods. So I'm like, if you want to do a cleanse, just eat only whole foods, you know, foods that literally don't come from a package at all, because you can get your fiber, your fat, your protein, and your carbohydrate from all from foods that don't come in packages. And that's going to be a cleanse in itself. You don't necessarily have to go to the extreme of doing apple cider vinegar or juice or bone broth only. I mean, my taste buds are personally relieved. Not yeah, to do that. There you go. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. yeah. Huh. Yeah. So if we're, if we're not, then it can have a place, right. If they are maybe say stabilized. And mm-hmm. I've thought about this for myself too. Of like, if I were to take a supplement or if I were to take something, yeah. I'd really want to have a nice baseline. Yep. Like at that 95% place to be like, wow, I'm still deficit in this either you know, I feel neurologically or emotionally or performance wise, or actually through a blood test. Mm -hmm. And then that's where you can get into more of the kind of tweaking. Like once you have that baseline, do you do the cleanses? (laughs) Um, gosh, it's been a long time since I've done one. If I do something like that, it's always, you know, like just eliminating added sugar for a few weeks, like looking at every single package product that I buy or looking at every single thing that I buy and making sure that there's no added sugar in it. It's only natural sugars. That's a really great one to do because if you just avoid the added sugars, you're still going to be able to eat enough food that you're getting enough calories to just maintain your basal metabolic rate. Like the calories that you burn just if you're sitting on the couch all day. Sure. But it's, you know, you don't need those added sugars so you can eliminate those. and, And most people will do that and they feel amazing. And that's just one small change they can do without completely overwhelming themselves and making themselves feel like they're just missing out on everything. There will be some of that, but sure. Well, there's, I mean, there's sugars, there's definitely has that addictive side too of like getting through that first couple days. Absolutely. Kind of like for me, it's ketchup. Mm -hmm. I've actually started cutting ketchup out of my diet again. It's just like, because you know, I like to put it on my eggs and then it kind of kicks that insulin or Mm -hmm. the the glucose up and then 
kind of chasing it throughout the day. So being a lot more conscious of the sugars I put in because I get sensitive to that. Yeah. But one of the things I think about is a lot of us, you know, whether athletes or really I'm specifically thinking maybe a family with some kids and Mm -hmm. kids have some kids are kids, right? They're behavioral issue or maybe they're just really busy with sports Mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, how do I change? How do I make this change from, you know, my guilty pleasures kind of mac and cheese. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, how do I go from this like simple, but pretty good, you know, maybe we're at a 70% good. Maybe there's a nice salad yeah. and some mac and cheese and some salmon or chicken or mm-hmm. potatoes instead of the mac and cheese. Right. But, you know, I've seen your Instagram, which is very lovely and colorful <laughs> with some very delicious looking food. Uh-huh. And you know, it's like, how do we build that routine going away? Cause a big part of 95% raw or not raw, but real food yeah. is means that you're going to have to do some prep work. Mm-hmm. So, it's true. Yeah. yeah. And th- a lot of, you know, going through this program with my clients for six weeks, they get meal plan- plans every week. And the goal with those meal plans is number one, to give them like this, just plethora of a booklet of recipes every single day that are fairly simple recipes, but also giving them the, you know, like, Hey, this is the template. So we're starting with the protein we're thinking about the vegetables, we're thinking about the healthy fat, and then we're thinking about the carbohydrate. And then we're always strategizing, like, what are we going to have in our refrigerator and our pantry and our kitchen? So that even on the days when you're not following the plan, you have the stuff available to make the meal. It's not going to be any elaborate meal. You know, it's going to be like maybe some grilled chicken and some boiled potatoes and some olive oil, avocado, something like that, and a side of veggies. Sounds delicious to me. You know, like coming up with the super simple stuff that's still, even on the days when you don't want to do it, they're easy enough because it's, you're setting up your environment to support that. Yeah. And then some nice like herb seasoning or something instead of dousing it in ketchup, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or. Yeah. And ketchup is like one of those things where they add sugar to that, right? Yeah. Ketchup and dressings and these flavored yogurts and stuff, crackers, all these savory foods have added sugar in them. But people don't really realize that until they start looking at the labels. So I'll start, I'll tell my clients that, and then they'll start texting me, you know, like pictures of the crackers that they normally buy or the sauces that they normally buy. And they're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah, it's in there. Like, yeah, it's or I, in even there. Think, I like the rice crackers, which is inherently glycemic, like high on the glycemic mm-hmm. index, right? So you're eating a high glycemic thing with, I'm going to just go and guarantee there's sugar in yeah. there too. Yeah. Even, yeah. It's wild. Not even thinking of that. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's a fairly benign you know, for like carrots and hummus, but maybe make, or sorry, going from the crackers to carrots and hummus mm-hmm. instead of crackers and hummus, you just get a little. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I said that backwards like three times, but that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. So it makes sense. You know, for you is, you know, so you're balancing all that right with yourself, but also with athletes. Mm-hmm. And then are you racing still? Or are you going to, like, are you? I did my first race of the season this past Saturday, the nice. Brecon Duro. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was just, it was a two-stage enduro on Brook Resort. Yeah. This summer has been a little bit different for me because my husband and I bought a house a year ago. So our entire weekends have been spent renovating this house. Congratulations. Thanks. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's been wild. So I, usually I would be incorporating, you know, more training for myself to be able to prepare for races on the weekends. But this summer it's just been turned off kind of for the house but hopefully this fall i'll be able to get into more of that nice i see 
Well, so what's like, I mean, you know, I'm hearing like you got all that stuff going on that's really fun and in integrity with what you want to do, mm-hmm. which I think probably is why you're doing so well with it and, you know, attracting like the right people to be working with. Right. You know, what's one of the things you do for yourself that maybe think people would think is strange to help you get yourself go? Or, you know, um, maybe, yeah. that people think is strange. I mean, I, my eye calendar is like my best friend. Yeah. And I set before I get bookings or open up bookings for the weeks ahead, I just set time in my calendar to go and, you know, ride with my dog. And if it's in the calendar, I don't let it change. You know, I try not to move things around. What I've been trying to get better at this, the last three months has been time blocking. So, you know, being like, I'm only working with clients on these days of the week and that's it. So that I have time to be consistent with my social media and be consistent with my content and be consistent with taking care of myself. Cool. So I don't well, know if that's strange, but that's. Well, I think, I think strategy. everyone's different right in their timekeeping. Mm-hmm. Like some people are still on pen and paper yeah. and some people are that way. And, you know, it's like kind of just like a to-do list. It's this amorphous thing that mm-hmm. everyone has some version of it. It's yep. just finding what works for you, mm-hmm. which I think is really like core to your whole approach of working with people. Yeah. So just to acknowledge that our light did die, which is a thing. So as we kind of wrap up, is there any, like, where's the best place for people to get in touch with you? Um, best place is probably actually on Instagram at Yuri underscore Carlson. Sweet. And we'll put that on the show notes with your website and, and everything. And you've got, you have a pretty cool pro, like coaching program as well as some online courses for mm-hmm. people if they just want to kind of get a sample and a better sense for how to integrate. Maybe if they're like more of a DIY person versus a, is that kind of the the breakdown or? Yeah. I mean, I have one program, the six week fill your potential program that I offer right now. Yeah. I have more programs that I'm working on that will hopefully come out in the fall, but it, it really depends on what people come to me and are asking for. And then I can either direct them to something that I have or figure out some, some way to help them with whatever their questions are. A lot of times on Instagram, I'll do, you know, like mini meal audits for people or, you know, give them feedback if they DM me with questions and things like that. So that's a really good place to start to figure out if the services I offer are a good fit for them. And it's just a fun way to stay connected with people. That's awesome. It sounds like, you know, for anyone that's looking to take it to that next level, that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. I know one of my big takeaways from this is like, I like to make things maybe more, or definitely, maybe, I definitely (laughs) like to make things more complicated and grandiose than they need to be. And it's like, just from a starting standpoint of like, just shifting that diet towards real food or whole foods that you can speak in kind of the outside aisles of the grocery store kind of diet will yield some great results. Absolutely. And just kind of get a nice baseline. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we always, we have choices to make, right? Like we have, we can choose which kind of crackers we're going to buy. It's going to be the Ritz crackers with hydrogenated oil and natural flavor in them, or it's going to be the Mary's gone crackers with flax seeds and sprouted brown rice. And it's going to be in a box sometimes because that's just a part of the crazy human life that we live. Like we have to buy those things, but we can always, we always have the option to make the better choice. So the goal is, is to choose the whole foods and the things with the least amount of ingredients whenever possible. And that small, those small choices can add up over time. And that's the goal. Sweet. Well, thanks so much for coming and thanks for having me. Yeah.
we'll uh, hopefully do this again someday. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good.